thought it was probably our most consistent game of the year. Um, I thought our contest was as good as it's been all year, and I thought we had um, you know, a much more even contribution and much more, uh, yeah, a more even spread of players playing their role. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pleasing. I thought we had more avenues to go, and I thought uh, the most pleasing thing is I think um, we've been. When we've won the ball, we've been putting ourselves under more pressure than the opposition's been putting us under, and we've been rushing our disposal, which is showing up in not executing the basics uh, well enough, and then yeah, not being able to make the opposition defend. Whereas tonight, I thought we trusted ourselves with ball in hand a lot more after we won it, which we won it a lot more. Uh, and then off that, we were able to you know, make better decisions because we gave ourselves a little bit more time to, to make those decisions. Um, I thought. Yeah, we played a little bit more unpredictable as well. It wasn't just one one way, uh, one one avenue to go. I thought we changed angles well. Thought we used our numbers well, and then when we had to go through a contest, we did that okay as well. Um, yeah, so it was pleasing with ball in hand. Fremantle coach Justin Longmuir, his take on his team's convincing win over Hawthorne at the weekend. I suppose we could see what the Dockers were trying to do for one of the few times this year. I guess the question is, can they do it against better opposition? We'll probably find out after they've played Sydney at the SCG this week. One bloke who cast an eye over both of our WA teams at the weekend, Michael Barlow, of course, former Fremantle star, current Werribee VFL coach and uh, part of the SEN family. Morning, Mick. How are you? Morning, Duff. Yeah, no, better as a Dockers fan this week. I think like a lot in purple this week, would be feeling a little bit more comfortable about how uh, how the weekend's proceedings went. Yeah, no, they were better. You could see what they're trying to do. Um, I guess what we want to see now is uh, have them do it against a, a slightly more up-and-about opponent because certainly Hawthorne are trudging their way through the season at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think they were really good the week before. And that, that can happen, I think, with... Um, some of these sides that are, that are developing, they can have you know patches where they're they're showing that improvement. Probably once a month, they're they're falling off the cliff a little bit, which is which was the case with Hawthorne, especially early in that match. Um, they just had no connection between mid and forward. I think the important um, nature that Luke Bruce brings to that side, connecting the ball movement, was evident that he wasn't there. So yeah, but you can only beat what you can beat. Um, from Prio's point of view, I think it's a good one. For Justin Longmuir and his team to to validate, I think you know some of the some of the shifts they've made. I thought they were pretty good against Brisbane the week before um, for, for patches, and you know you could see they were trying different things. And Brisbane's form line is is significant. So right now, Freo are somewhere between the best and the worst, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Probably somewhere between that. Um, I don't know. Let's say. Absolute top end, if they get it together a bit, they're probably very low end of the eight and they could end up as low as, um, well, basically where they've been, which is 13th or 14th. But um, there were some good signs on the weekend. Luke Jackson's game, Mick, that was um, easily his best effort in a Fremantle jumper. It was good, wasn't it? And, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the, that's a, that's an A-grade game for a, a player that I think they're still trying to figure out where to play him. And that's I don't think that's going to change for... But probably next two or three years when they're trying to figure out what the best mix looks like um, as a team, but also for Luke himself. Um, yeah, centre square bounce. Uh, they're going to keep. I think they should keep 
kind of looking to, to give him that hit in there. It just gives that point of difference. He's agile. Um, if he can get his hands on the ball in there, he's hard to tackle and he can become kind of a, a 60, 65, 70 metre player. So um, then the ability to play centre forward and, and take some marks and find a mismatch is um, is strong. I think the you know the, the, the Wolves will hang around with Luke Jackson for some time until the consistent output is there. Um, but that's that's a real step in the right direction for Luke and, and what his magnet needs to do on a weekly basis. Um, for Freo to be top end, you know, he, he has to be one in big games that that plays really well. And if he plays really well, um, you know it does cover up a little bit of the the inexperience, I suppose, in the front half with, at the moment, Josh Tracy and, and Jai Miss um, as the key posts. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Like, strong presence in the air and uh, and real presence on the ground. That's what he brings uh, at his best, and, and we saw that in both areas at the weekend, and we saw how effective he can be. Hey, um, what did you make of how Justin Longmuir used Nathan Fife, and is that the way to use him going forward? Um. It was pretty interesting, wasn't it? I knew would have probably that you were probably at the game having a look and watching the warm up, and apparently there was a lack of warm up from that for the last chunks of the, <laughs> the game. The first half, I don't think his tracksuit got removed. May have even been in his joggers. I'm not sure what was going on, but that doesn't surprise me. That's kind of the way Nathan rolls a little bit. Um, so I, I think they were saying that he would have been okay to play a full game. If, if required, if you know, the unfortunate situation would have happened that someone goes down early, it, it was nearly the perfect scenario. Um, well, absolutely the perfect scenario for, for JL and his, and his crew that um, the game was quite comfortable, they, they controlled the game, um, now we can bleed him in. Um, you know, there wasn't pressure on the game, there wasn't you know, a real significant back line to, to, to look to take care of. Nathan, so he goes forward, kicks a goal, gets a, gets a bit of ball up around the ground as well. So I think that was the perfect um, initiation. And now it's, okay, what what goes next? Um, I think, you know, he probably now extends to a full game, but um, easy to sub for a goal. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably a flip of the coin for, for mine, uh, whether he plays the full game or do they go with him for the sub for, for the next little period and inject him if, if there is spice in the game and they do need a spark. It's a good question, isn't it? It's, it's almost a big question for them this week because if you go with him as at the start and you don't get injuries, you can probably sub him out at three-quarter time and, and say, well, that's enough. But if you get an early injury and he's got to play the full game, then he's, he's potentially an at-risk athlete. So um, it's yeah. going to be a big decision for them this week. I think it will be. I, I remember my own situation, this is, well, 12 years ago when the sub first came in, I reckon, coming back from a broken leg. Um, played as a sub, you know, felt like I, well, in my head, really wanted to play the full game and be involved early in the early in the season. Um, but I was a sub, I think, for three weeks in a row um, before kind of getting that confidence from the coaching group and high performance staff to say, yeah, you can now go out and fully um, fully play a game. So, yeah, I think that um, yeah, there'll be discussions behind closed doors around the high performance. Yeah, can he? What's the risk and reward? I think they, they go away with one on the weekend with, with the circumstance of it all. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's as, as cut and dry as you now he plays a full game. It might be uh, the old super sub, Nate, again. What did you make of West Coast on the weekend? You are at that game, Mick. Um, they looked... They look better. They look to have better intent and effort, but at the end of the day, they're just um, they're coming up a fair way short, aren't they? 
Yeah, well said, Duff. I think, yeah, coming off a fair way short um, collectively, but, you know, individually you, you are seeing the gaps in their list and you're seeing players that have been on their list for um, a number of years and probably entering kind of the, you know, the early 20s or, or third, fourth year on the list and haven't fully established themselves um, in the side. This is a side that you should be absolutely establishing yourself in and absolutely validating, okay, I'm an AFL player and I'm around for the next four, five, six, eight, ten years. Um, there's a real lack of that at West Coast at the moment. They showed some signs on the weekend for you know, probably a quarter and a half. Um, without Oscar Allen on the weekend, um, I'm not sure how it looked. Like Jack Darling was well held by Nathan Broad. Um, yeah, Oscar Allen played a, played a really good game. He's probably in the top five players on the ground, but then after the top five players on the ground, um, you know, West Coast would have been batting um, or searching to, to find kind of a, another player in the best 10 to 12. Um, Jai Cully's injury. Now, you had a, a great first season in the AFL, but you also had a serious injury. Um, you must have felt for him when that leg gave way under him because it was it's kind of pretty obvious when there's no contact and they go down like that that it's almost certainly the ACL. What did you make of it? Yeah, exactly. Like you were kind of searching, watching the game, and the, the, the play flowed on from from where he was, and you kind of went back to it. And you're like, I didn't kind of don't kind of recall a hit or a, or a knock or whatever it was. And yeah, look back, looking back on the incident, it was yeah, no incident really. So um, it was quite dejected, and you tell the, the high performance staff and the crew from West Coast were getting right around him. So it just adds to the you know, that that one is really unfortunate. Not much high performance can do about that or prepare your players um, to to really avoid situations like that. So, feel for Jai Cully. Um, two weeks ago was you know rising star nominee. Um, so to find kind of like I just said, they're searching for these guys that are the next kind of four to five years. And I think there's question marks on on a good number of them whether they're the next four or five years or the next four or five months. But Jai Cully's one I think you could nearly put a green tick to and say he's. He's a long, long-termer for the West Coast Eagles in a in a forward role with the potential probably to move up around the ground um, when he develops the the base. So um, dig in. Hopefully the the news isn't as as um, bad as as we we think. But um, if it is, uh, I think he's got a long career ahead of him. So dig into his rehab and um, yeah, move on with a positive mindset. So you mentioned, and I think it's a really good point, um, the ones that should be betting themselves down in the in the 22. And I suspect you're talking about players like Xavier O'Neill and Jack Petricelli. They they've got to find four or five guys they're not sure they've got to for for one of a better way to put it. That basically players that have been there that haven't been able to nail a spot in the best 22 or 23. It would be great if they could find five who at the end of the year, those 22 to 24 year olds, and they can say, yep they can play in our team, provided we can put some better quality around them. Still there, Mick? Yeah, got you, mate. Just got a bit of uh, static, but have you got me okay? Yeah, I've got you. Yep. yep. All good, yeah. yeah. They're the names, aren't they? O'Neill, Foley, um, or even like Jaden Hunt comes in as a as a, as a recruit, and um, yeah, he's, you know, he's now a kind of top six to eight player in the side. He's never kind of been in that, that position, so for, for all these guys to elevate themselves and and fine position. Connor West showed some signs on the weekend. Um, but, you know, he has to be very clean and, and very efficient for him to be an effective AFL player because you know, probably the limitations on tricks and, and athleticism he has, if, if he doesn't have that, then 
you know, you quickly fall away. Greg Clark's another one um, in that mix. So uh, it'll be a fascinating watch. What are we up to? I think only round eight going to round nine. Um, so it's the longer you're ahead, where do they find opportunities to, to develop and grow? And you, know, you need some wins. You, you can't sit back and just float through the season without winning. Um, because the list car will be deep, but you know, we're still three or four months out from finals. And if we start to, to dissect the list and think about how deep the list car will be, it does really put into to perspective um, the issues that West Coast have at the moment. Is there anything you would do if you were coaching them, like any any clear track you would take to, to make sure you get the most you possibly can out of this year? Well, he's, um, yeah, watching, like the, the patches are in the game. He's coaching really well. Um, out of, like you're coaching. <laughs> well, what, what helps coaching is good players, and, and they do have a lack of, of, of good players, as we've discussed, in, in that space. But um, they coach really well, I think, for the first half. So they you know, prioritise the risk and reward off half-back um, with you know, Duggan, Jindy went back a little bit. Um, Duggan kind of flooded mid halfback, and they tried to get ball in hands of these guys as aggressive halfbacks, um, and it really did work um, for the first kind of half of the game. They gave a few back, but the risk and reward was 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 in the in the favour of the, the reward. The longer the game went, Damien Hardwick kind of put on a little bit of a masterclass and brought brought you know some of those extra bodies up around the contest because West Coast were going quite well at clearance and that was their, their only way, I think, to get ground position was good clearance and you know, the, the, the five-minute patch of Dion Prestry up around the ball, you know, he brought up Jaden Hunt, he brought up Jermaine Jones out of their natural habitat, made them defend, bet them back to goal and um, then from there it was advantage Richmond. So I think he coached pretty well for the first half. Adam Simpson, he's trying to figure out you know, the way they can be competitive, which is hopefully win clearance and then when they do turn the ball over in general play, they've got to play an uncontested run and chain game because they just don't have the physicality in their bodies to play a contested game. Um, so I think they'll have a few games across hopefully the next um, well the rest of the season where that really does come off and their ability to kind of use some some athleticism and some speed and some skill to to open up um, oppositions. And how's your coaching career going, Mick? Are you uh, are you happy or are you ranting and raving? Very happy. Yeah, no, we had a had a win yesterday, stuff, which is good. So we're three and two, um, and it was a traditional VFL wet, windy day yesterday against Essendon at uh, at their training base. So, uh, but we go on to the next one. We've got Footscray next Sunday, and um, and a tough little block after that as well, with kind of a couple of teams on top of the ladder. Gold Coast, who have about twenty two AFL players playing for a week, and Casey, who are Melbourne's affiliate, who. Are somewhat similar and have some kind of high-end AFL talent looking for opportunity in the in the ones by playing good twos footy. So um, I'll know what's going on in the next three weeks, mate, and no doubt I'll speak to you over the next three weeks to give you an update. Good on you. Mick Barlow, former Fremantle and Gold Coast player, of course, now Werribee VFL coach and part of the SEN family. Always a pleasure to talk to him on the show. Uh, if you want to have your say on anything Mick's had to say, the temperate bedshed text line is your way to do it. 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line 13 12 55. We'll take a break.